listening. How's everybody doing? How many of you guys are ready to jump into God's Word this evening? Oh, you need to be a little bit more excited than that. How many of you guys are ready to jump into God's Word this evening? Oh, that's awesome. That's good stuff. Super excited to be speaking tonight. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 10 again this evening and more than likely next week as well. You can follow along. We'll have some slides up here tonight, but you can also follow along uh, in the Bible app if you'd like to. We do have that set up in there this evening, so you can definitely follow along in there. Some extra verses in there that I might not get to tonight just for you and your study. Um, so you can definitely check that out as well. But we are talking about being welcomed. That is the sermon series that we are in is welcomed. We started this last week and uh, just thinking about the idea of what it is to be welcomed. We all know what it is when we go to a place, whether it's a house or a business or something like that, and we know when we're wanted and we know when we're not, right? And when you go somewhere and you know that you are wanted to be there, that you're welcomed there, like there is no other place that you want to be, right? And it changes your whole experience when you're there. I was even when I went to eat breakfast at George and Rita's place, uh, when I walked in and seeing their smiles and they're like, hey, how are you? Like I was like, man, I just want to be here because they're awesome people. The food's amazing. You need to go and check out their pancake house. But so like, so like, I mean, it's just like, right? You walk in and you're welcomed. It's awesome. It changes your whole experience, you know? You could go to the same place and the same food and you walk in and, and the people are just like, yeah, what do you want? Where do you want? to sit you know and they're just kind of like just whatever and just like yeah sit here and there's trash all over the table it could be the same food the same cook and you're just like this is the worst food I've ever had in my life you know like it's just one of those things when you're welcomed it changes you it changes your perspective it changes your attitude it changes your worldview when you're welcomed into a place in Matthew chapter 10 and verses 40 through 41, Jesus is talking to his disciples. In Matthew chapter 10, we're going to get into this a little bit more tonight, where he's getting ready to send his disciples off on their first ministry excursion. And he's getting ready to send them out, and he's just talking about all the things that they're going to encounter and they're going to experience. And he gets to the end of it, and he's talking to them, and he says the word welcome six times in those two verses. See, God understands. In fact, he wired us to be this way, that we're desperate to be welcomed to into a space that is bigger than we are. Like, he wired us to be that way. He knows our hearts, and he knows what we want to do and, and where we want to go. He knows that we have been created to be wanted, to be accepted, to be received. He's created us that way because he loves us. He wants to be engaged with us. He wants us to know that we're accepted by him and loved by him. He knows the way that we think and the way we work because he made us this way, right? He knows that. Marketers know that, right? I mean, there's brands that you are loyal to, whether it's a grocery store or whether it's a, sh a big shopping store or whether it's a computer or a phone or whether it's a restaurant. Like, there are brands that you are loyal to just because they have a sense of hospitality that is greater than their competitors, right? Like, there's places that you want to go. I, there's pharmacies that I refuse to go to unless I just absolutely have to because it seems like they're wired to make you just hate the entire experience. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just where you're like, I just don't want to go there because I don't feel welcomed. I don't feel encouraged. I feel like that they are mad that I'm there. And so, I'm like, I just don't want to go. You know, and so it's one of those things. God knows that that is the way that we're wired, that we want to be welcomed, that we want to be accepted. He wants you to know that you've been welcomed into a universe that is more bigger and, is, and more massive than you could ever imagine. And I love in this verse, he says this idea of being welcomed. He's driving into his disciples as they're getting ready to go on their ministry experience. Hey, listen, you are accepted and you have a place. Where you are accepted, it's greater than any place than you can imagine. You're accepted in my father's house. You are accepted in his kingdom. You are a child of God. So wherever you go, no matter whatever happens, no matter if you're rejected, no matter if you're ridiculed, no matter if you're persecuted, I want you to remember that you are accepted and you, are ha you have a place. You've been received by me. He's wanting his disciples to know and just be absolutely confident in the fact that he loves them, that he has called them, that he has chosen them, and he wants that to shape everything they do. He wants it to 
enlist in them this sense of excitement, this sense of anticipation, this sense of confidence. I can do what he's called me to do because I'm his. Man, I'm going to stand for the things that he's called me to stand for because I'm his. I'm going to be committed to the things that he's called me to be committed to because I'm his, because I'm chosen, I'm accepted by him. I have a place in his kingdom. That is what's motivating them and moving them, and that alone, that's what he wants them to get and to see. Because he knows they're getting ready to step into some moments that are difficult. He knows they're getting ready to step into some moments that are not going to be fun, that are not going to be easy. And he's just trying to drill into their minds. You are accepted. I want you to know that you've been welcomed into my family. You've been welcomed into this kingdom. I'm on your side. I'm standing for you. You are mine. I want you to get this. Right? Have you ever had somebody that you've just, maybe it's a family friend, Maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's somebody in the church. They were complete strangers at one time and they were basically family members now, right? Like you were so welcomed into their worlds that you literally like two years ago had no connection to them at all. And now you're just like, how could I ever live without these people, right? Have you ever had one of those experiences? And like, isn't it amazing how it just changes your world? Like how their world becomes your world and you just become absolutely committed to them? How you're just like, you know what, I'll stand up for them. I will fight for them. I remember I was in high school and I was having lunch one time and we were eating in the cafeteria and we were sitting there with a bunch of friends and family members and we were sitting there and we were talking and I said something about a, a, a person at the school. I don't remember what I said. I'm sure it was ignorant and I'm sure it was not worth saying, but I said something and, you know, and, and so in that moment, I didn't realize that one of their closest friends I, and this girl had, it was a girl, all right? I'm gonna go ahead and admit this. This is important detail, but this was a girl. She was at the table. She had been welcomed into this family's home. I mean, she was loved by this family. She was accepted by this family. She struggled with that sense of being accepted and being loved and all that stuff for a long time in this family. And I had said something about one of her best friends. And because she had been welcomed, because she had been so just received by this family, she heard what I said and she stood up and she walked over and she punched me in the back of my head. I mean, not like just like a, don't do that. I mean, it was like a, Wham, right? I mean, ear ringing, the top of my ear was on fire, like my head was just like throbbing. And of course, I'm just sitting there like, that didn't happen. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just gonna act like I didn't just get punched, you know, by a girl in the cafeteria in front of everybody. And I really wanna cry. I'm not gonna admit it, right? And it's just like, moment, right? It's the same thing, right? Like in a sense, when you've been welcomed into God's kingdom, you've been welcomed into his family, it's a sense of confidence, it's a sense of connection, it's a sense of you've been so received by him that he's standing up for you, that he's gonna fight battles for you that you don't even know that need to be fought, that he is there for you, that even when you feel like nobody else is around or when you feel like that you're not even like aware of what's going on, that God is there, he's welcomed you, he's accepted you, he's received you, he's standing there for you, he cares for you, he's got you. He's welcomed you into his family. And this should give us confidence. This should give us a sense of security that you are chosen, that you are royalty, that you are a child of God. It should give us as followers of Christ the sense that we are here on this planet for a purpose and for a reason. It should give us a sense of identity. It should give us a sense of confidence. It should give us a sense that we stand up and take a breath and I'm at peace. Man, I've been accepted. I've been loved for who I am. Man, isn't that a good feeling? Isn't that a good feeling? When you walk into a store, come on, you know what I'm talking about. You walk into a store, you've done nothing for that store, right? They know at some point that you're gonna spend some money there, right? But when you walk in that store and they're just like, we're so excited you're here. And they're like giving you stuff or like doing whatever else or the environment's just like, just set up just to make you. When you walk into a place, you're just like, I just want to be here, right? Man, that's the way God wants us to feel every single day. That's the confidence. That's the sense of security and identity he wants us to be walking in. And he never wants us to forget that. He wants us to be completely caught up in that and embraced in that. So last week, that's what we talked about. And I felt like it was so important because I feel like a lot of times as Christians, we walk around with a little bit of a defeated mentality. 
we walk around with a little bit of sense of identity of what in the world could I do? Like, do you hear how loud the voice is out there in the world? Do you hear all that's coming against us? Do you hear the way the culture is moving? What can I do? You've been welcomed into the kingdom. And stand with confidence. Don't walk around defeated. Don't walk around wondering what you could do. Your situation and where you are, stand with confidence and boldness. God knows exactly where you are. He's right there with you. Be assured that he loves you. Right? You guys get that? Good. Because here's the problem. So I'm going to talk to another group tonight. Because some of us, we get stuck in that place. We get stuck in that place. God's accepted me. I'm assured that he loves me for who I am. And we just get stuck in that place. And I feel like sometimes too often as modern believers, we've let it stop there. And in doing so, we've completely missed the entire point of salvation. So I want to talk to us tonight through this passage in Matthew chapter 10 about what God is doing and wants to do in our lives. So let's pray. Father, be with us. Lord, your word says that faith comes by hearing of your word. And pray in this moment, Lord, that this moment is Holy Spirit directed and Holy Spirit guided. That this is you speaking, that it's your word being proclaimed. And as your word is being proclaimed, Father, we pray that you move our hearts to have faith in you, to trust in you, to be confident in you, to be aware of you. Father, help us, Lord, to be motivated to live our lives for your glory in all that we do. Lord, we just thank you and we love you. In your holy name we pray. Amen. When I was dating Michelle, I was done with college and she was wrapping up college. And I had a house that I was staying in with a friend of mine. And Michelle and I had been dating for a few months. And we were starting to get pretty serious, and I was really, really into her. And my friend was becoming more and more aware of it, and he's just like, hey, we need to have a talk. And I was like, sure, let's talk. And so he's just like, dude, I, I just want to tell you something, man. I, I just feel like that you need to hear this. And I'm like, okay, what's up? And he's just like, man, Michelle's not the one for you. And I was like, really? I was like, why would you say that? So he starts going through, and he starts listing off all of these different flaws about Michelle and these inconsistencies that he's seen. And he's talking about all this different stuff. And he's like, man, I'm just telling you, dude, I, I know what you want to do. And I know what you feel like God's called you to do. And I've seen that in you and I believe in you. And I'm just telling you, man, Michelle's going to hold you back. She's going to hold you back. And I remember hearing that and I was just sitting there and I was just like, whoa, dude. It's crazy, right? Because, I mean, you have somebody say something like that to you, and they normally don't say it. You're just like, I need to take this seriously, you know? But then there was the other side of me, and I was just like, but I really like her, you know? Like, I really like her. And so I look at that, and I'm just like, you know what? But I got a lot of issues, too, and I got a lot of flaws. And if there's anybody that's going to hold me back, it's going to be me, right? And I'm looking at her, and I'm just like, man, that's just, I don't know, man. I just don't know if I can accept that. I don't know if I can agree with that. And it's so funny that when I hear him say those words, those very words, I can't remember all the things that he pointed out. I can remember some. But I can remember him just very distinctly saying that she's going to hold you back. And when I think about that and I think about some of the things about Michelle and I think about some of the, the things that she does have, and, and, and though as perfect as I think she is, she does have some flaws, very few, very, very, very few. She's in good life. And tell her if I talked about her, I said only good things. She's got very, very few but she's got some flaws. She's got some things, right? And those flaws, I can see them. And there are some things that cause some difficulties early on in our marriage. But when I stepped a little bit deeper into that sense of commitment to her and we got engaged, I welcomed more of who she was into my life. And then when we got married and we got just full-on commitment, right? And just like, hey, you and I, this thing forever, right? And we made a commitment in front of God, in front of all of our family and friends, and I completely welcomed her into my life, and she completely welcomed me into her life. We brought all of our stuff into each other's worlds, right? Brought all of our stuff. And some time has gone by, and we've gotten a lot better, right? Even yesterday, we're 
having lunch together, and I was actually making some tuna salad, and I was making healthy tuna salad, didn't have mayonnaise in it, so it was better for us, right? But then I put mayonnaise on the bread, because, come on, who wants tuna without mayonnaise? So I was just, like, making it healthier, and, you know, all this different stuff, and so I'm making this tuna salad, and I made it, like, a month ago, and I forgot a couple ingredients, and so when she was at school, she had actually even texted me. She's like, because uh, I made it just for her. And she's like, oh, it was so wonderful. Thank you so much. It was so delicious. And, and so I was just like, yay, you know, I scored some points. And so I was making it this time. And I was going through, and I was like, oh, man. Last time I made that, I forgot some ingredients, right? And I was just like, I forgot two very important ingredients. So I was like, babe, I forgot some ingredients. She's like, I know. And I was like, what? You know? What do you mean you know? And she's like, yeah, I know that you forgot some ingredients. She's like, in fact, I kind of, I told you about it. I was like, shouldn't it have onions? And, I, and you were very, very confident that onions would ruin it, right? And I was like, oh, I said that for real? She's like, yep. She's like, I just dropped it. And I was just like, whatever. Like, you were so confident. And I know when you get in that place when you're so confident and you just can't be convinced that you're wrong, like, I just know. So I just stopped and I was like, hey, you know what? It is what it is, right? And then she's like, and, and I was, she's like, and there's a spice missing too, wasn't it? I was like, yes. She's like, yeah, I know. And I was like, why didn't you say anything? She goes, I just know, right? She just accepted where I was, accepted who I was. And I just looked at her and I said, babe, why do you love me? I got so many issues. Like, why do you love me? I, I just, I'm a messed up human being. And she's like, I love you, right? She's accepting me for who I am. And both of us in our lives, we've got issues and we've got things that we've brought in each other's worlds. We're getting better. We're moving along. Some things are happening, right? And we've got all of this different stuff that's happening in our lives. But what's the reality is for each and every one of us is, is that there's some things in her life, right, that drive me absolutely insane. Like, I mean, drive me insane, back crazy insane sometimes, right? But isn't it insane after almost 13 years, those things that drive me insane are the very things that I love about her the most all at the same time. And it's the same thing about her, right? And it's the way that God's just bringing us together and it's the way that he's moving us together. Too often, we're looking for our life in Christ to be something that he never intended it to be. If I stopped and I listened to my friend who said, listen, she's gonna hold you back. I never would have discovered in her, through her, the friendship, the life-giving friendship and marriage that I have with her. She's done nothing but propel me into the deeper reality that God wants for me. If I would have listened to him and if I would have stopped and if I just would have heard that and I would have walked away from it and said, yeah, that's, uh, mm -mm, it's not exactly perfect in this moment. I see what you're saying. Then I would have just walked away from everything. Can I just tell you this, that a lot of times in our relationship with Christ, you're just like, how is he going to tie this in? What does this have to do with Matthew chapter 10? Here we go, ready? Sometimes when we look at our relationship with Christ, we expect it to be perfect. We expect everything to go exactly the way that we want it to go. We want everything to exist in this utopian reality where we're floating around and we're happy and our bank account's full and everybody's healthy and we've got the perfect two and a half kids and the dog and we don't have any cats because good people don't have cats and everything's wonderful and so we're just like we're happy right and we look at life and that's the way it's supposed to be and we're just like when I'm with God and everything's good it's supposed to be perfect it's the way it's supposed to be and in fact we measure our relationship with God through how good our circumstances are right and so we look at all of this stuff and we look at all the things that are going on. But listen, I want you to hear tonight that salvation is not a product. Salvation is not a product. It's not a get out of hell free card. Right? Salvation is not a, yay, here's your golden ticket to go to heaven, right? Like that's not what salvation is. Salvation is an invitation into relationship. That's what salvation is. It's an invitation into relationship with the creator of the universe. You have been and I have been through Christ. And if you haven't been, you will be soon, maybe even tonight, welcomed into a relationship with God. But here's the thing. Relationship, right? Relationship. A lot of you, you're sitting in here next to somebody. You're in some type of relationship. Relationships involve uncertainty. Relationships involve chaos. Relationships involve even 
pain, and heartache. If you ever think about this, when have you really truly welcomed somebody into your life and them just being present in your life didn't bring some severe highs and severe lows? Whenever you invite somebody into your world, they bring their world into your world and it impacts you greatly, right? You following with me, right? You've been invited into a relationship with the creator of the universe. And you and me, we've got a lot of baggage that we bring into that relationship. And we have this idea of what the relationship is supposed to look like. And we have this idea what this life in Christ is supposed to look like. It's supposed to be this perfect, happy, go lucky, everything's going well. I don't have any issues. Everything is good. Everything is wonderful. I'm not doing anything that's hard. Everything is easy and breezy. And everywhere I walk, I hear Cameron singing behind me. And everything is great. And I always have Hillsong worship on, right? And it's just, that's the life. But then all of a sudden, something goes wrong it's like where's God at what's happening why am I going through this what did I do wrong what mistake did I make is God judging me did I go somewhere that I shouldn't have gone did I say something I shouldn't have said and we start going through and we start looking at all this different stuff and we start seeing our baggage right we start seeing all of our stuff and we start seeing all these different things and we start thinking less of God and we start thinking more of ourselves right You've been invited into a relationship with the creator of the universe. You've been welcomed into his world. He's invited you in just as you are. But he doesn't want you to stay where you are. He wants you to move into a new reality that he created you for. God's got a purpose for you. He's got a desire for you. And he wants you to move to that place. But guess what? You've got to go through some stuff to get there. Right? You've got to go through some stuff. He's not just like, you said a prayer, you're done, you're like, you said amen, awesome, here's perfection, right? He's leaving you here on this planet, and guess what? This world's broken, and things are going to happen, and he's got perfection for you. He's got a day for you where there's no suffering. He's got a day for you where there's no pain. He's got a day for you where there's no sickness. He's got a day for you when it's just full of joy and wonder and awe, and you're just going to be floating around, not on clouds with wings because that's ridiculous, but you're going to be floating around with this contentment and excitement that you're in God's presence. He's got a perfect day for you, but it is not yet. Right? We're still here. There's still things going on, and there's things in you that God wants to do in your life to open your eyes to see his goodness and to see his greatness. There's things in you that keep you from the things that God wants you to do and experience. There's things in you that keep you from knowing his goodness and his love and his mercy, and he wants those things gone. There's things in you that he wants to use to expose his goodness and his glory to others, and you've got to go through some stuff so that stuff can come out. You tracking with me? You all know where I'm going, right? You're like, this is not going to be a fun sermon. He's getting ready to say, we're going to go through some hard times. And you are. So here we go, Matthew chapter 10, verse 14. If you're still with me, say, I'm here. Verse 14. If any household or town refuses to welcome you or to listen to your message, shake its dust from your feet as you leave. What's going on here is Jesus is called these 12 disciples together, which is significant. He's called these 12 disciples together. Later he sends out 70, but he's called these 12 together. He's getting ready to start building his church. These are the apostles. These are the people that go and they have initiated the church, which you are now a part of, that we're sitting here together. He's called them together and he's like, hey, listen, you're getting ready to go to do your first ministry excursion all by yourself, right? He's like, hey, you're going to go out and you're going to heal the sick. And you're going to cast out demons and lepers are going to become clean. And, and all of this stuff is going to happen through you. Not you watching me. It's going to happen through you. Right? So you're getting ready to go out and you're the 12 that I've chosen to do this through. Right? Can you imagine the excitement of these guys, right? These, these 20-something-year-olds that are sitting there just like, for real, like this is happening right now? Like we've been watching God do all of these things. We've been watching Jesus do all of these miracles. And now he's saying, we're going to do the same. And he's giving us the power to do that. He's like, yep, that's you. That's this moment right now, right? And then he says in verse 14, if any of you go to the house and refuses to welcome you or listen to your message, shake the dust off of your seat as you leave. If you tell the truth, the wicked... If I tell you the truth, 
the wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah will be better off than such a town on the judgment day. Look, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. What? What are you saying? So be as shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. There he goes again. He's saying stuff in code. What is he talking about? Verse 17. I'm acting like I'm the disciples, just in case you're wondering. I'm adding that. Verse 17. But beware, for you will be handed over to the courts, and you will be flogged with whips in the synagogues. Say, what now? You will stand trial before governors and kings because you are my followers. But this will be your opportunity to tell the rulers and other, believer, and, other, and other unbelievers about me. When you are arrested, when we're what? Don't worry about how to respond or what to say. God will give you the right words at the right time. For it is not you who will be speaking. It is the spirit of your father speaking through you. A brother will betray his brother to death. A father will betray his own children. And their children will rebel against their parents and cause them to be killed. And all nations will hate you because you are my followers. But everyone who endures to the end will be saved. Say what? What is this man talking about? Man, when we go through and we look at this passage here, I want us to get the reality for each and every one of us tonight that you have been welcomed into a relationship with the creator of the universe. And relationship truly happens when your trust in them outweighs the uncertainty created by them. I'm gonna say that again one more time. Relationship truly happens when your trust in them outweighs the uncertainty created by them. Can you imagine the disciples are in this moment? Like Jesus is like, you're getting ready to do this awesome stuff. Like you're going to go and you're going to do miracles and you're going to heal. And like all these awesome things are going to happen. And they're like, yeah. And he's like, and you're going to get flogged and you're going to get imprisoned. And people are going to start just fighting against each other because of what you're talking about. And you're going to cause issues and people are going to die because of it. Isn't this great? And they're just like, what in the world is he talking about? Right? These disciples are in this moment and they're just all excited and they're worked up and they're ready because everything's going to be great. All they've been hoping for, this power, success, recognition, all of these things. I've been looking, this is great, this is the moment. And it doesn't look anything like they thought it was going to. And in that moment, they find themselves being talked to by Jesus and being propelled and called to go and to step into the life that he's called them to. And in that moment, they had to decide, what he's sending me into sounds difficult. What he's sending me into sounds painful. What he's sending me into sounds like it's going to cost me a lot, and it sounds like it could cost me everything. And I look at that, and I see the uncertainty, and I see all of that. But my trust in him, my love in him, it far outweighs all of the uncertainty that is right there in front of me. All the things that I look at and all the things that I say, man, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can go through that. I trust him. This passage is not just a passage of what the apostles went through. This is a passage for you and I as well. That there are realities in our life that when you give your heart to Christ and when you say, yes, I will follow, just like we sang tonight, right? As we lifted up our voice and said, I will follow, I will say yes. In that moment we said that, we didn't say yes to perfection in this world. We didn't say yes to floating around full bank accounts and everybody's happy, right? We didn't say yes to all those things. We said yes to I will follow you. We said yes to you as Jesus, as our Savior. We said yes to you. And he said, great, I'm glad you're there. I'm telling you, I want to give you eternal life. That is what I promise to you. I want you to know the goodness of who I am. I want you to know peace, and I want you to know joy, and I want you to know all, these, all of these things. But oh, by the way, you're going to get fired. Oh, by the way, you're going to suffer unimaginable heartbreak. You're going to go through unthinkable loss. Oh, by the way. And in that moment when he speaks to us and he says, oh, by the way. Because those moments happen in our lives. Because this world, it is broken and it's falling apart. In 1 Peter, I think I'm jumping way ahead of myself. So I'm going to back up. We'll get to 1 Peter in just a moment. But in this moment where all of these things are going on, 
All of these different things are happening. And all of this different stuff is going on in these disciples' lives. Jesus is speaking to them, but he's speaking to you and me as well. He's saying, listen, I want you to understand and I want you to get that I'm going to be there with you. I want you to remember, right? You're accepted and you have a place. You are my child. I want you to know that you are called, that you're mine, that you're chosen. Remember that. You're getting ready to go through some difficult stuff. You're going to go through some hard stuff. But I want you to remember that you are mine. This reality that exists, that things are broken, that things happen to his believers, that things happen to people that we deem as good, that is the number one reason that people decide and say that they reject God for. How can all of this stuff happen if there is a God? And they look at it and they say there's no way that a good God can exist. Because if he was good, he wouldn't let all this stuff happen. Right? And so they look at it. I was just talking with somebody about this the other day, right? Is this, you look at it and you say, man, God is good. Right? And so if he's good and all of this stuff happens, then that means that he's just not strong enough to stop everything. Because he can't do it, right? That's what it is. They're like, no, God is strong. There's no one stronger than God. Well, then that means he's not good. Because if he's strong enough to stop it, but he doesn't stop it, then there's no way that he's good. Right? He can't be both. Right? And there's this thing that goes on in our minds, and we just look at it, and we just say, there's no way. Right? Like, everything's supposed to be good. Everything's supposed to be perfect. I'm supposed to be happy. I'm supposed to have everything I want. My dreams are supposed to be met. Like, I'm supposed to be fulfilled. All of this different stuff is supposed to happen, right? I'm supposed to have way more time on the clock than I have. All of that stuff. Like, we're just looking at it, and we're just like, man, like, that's what's going on in my world. Like, that's the way it should be, but it's not. And there's this paradox. There's this thing that's going on in our world, and we look at it, and it's like, there's just no way. But I want you to see and I want you to understand that God has invited you into a life that he's called you to. And it's a life that is filled with his goodness. It's a life that is filled with his power. It's a life that is filled with your ever-knowing presence of him being there right beside you. But it is a life that is filled as we are here on this earth through suffering. And it's a life that we're going to go through where we're going to have to endure things. And we're going to have to make it through stuff that we just wouldn't choose on our own. What we're called to as Christians is we're called as Christians to live within the tension that exists in God both being good and him being powerful and him being sovereign, him being loving, and still all at the same time things happening. There's a tension that exists there, and we're supposed to live in the midst of that, that God is good, that he is strong, that he is powerful, that he is all-knowing, and it doesn't make him any less of either one of those things because something happens that shouldn't happen. We're supposed to live in that tension and completely trust him. We've got to get into this idea of understanding that there can be more than one thing true at a time. Right? There can be more than one thing true at a time. We look at scripture, there's privileges and there's responsibilities. There's blessings, but there's also suffering. Jesus says his kingdom is here, but he also says his kingdom is coming. There's a sense, this, this duality to the kingdom of God. That there's this tension that we're to live in the middle of. That we say he is above all of these things. He is greater than all these things. He is both strong and he is both good. Right? And we live in this place and we live in this understanding that we say, I don't know what he's up to. I don't know what's going on. I can't make sense of it. But I know this. He is good and he can be trusted. And that's where he calls us to live. And that's a place that he wants us to exist in. And we need to understand and we need to get that his love for us is so perfect that you can trust that he's always caring for you. He's always caring for you. There are things that are going to happen in this world. This is 1 Peter. There's things that are going to happen in this world. As it says in 1 Peter. It says, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going to go through. Things are going to happen. This world's broken. It's fallen apart. It's full of sin. And it's full of people with free wills that have chosen to reject God. And there's things that are going to happen because of that. Because people have decided to not trust God. They've decided to turn from God. And so because of that... There's going to be things that happen in this world. But also, too, there's going to be things that you're going to have to go through and that Christ himself is calling you to go to. 
because they are gonna be things that are gonna help you to develop a character that is like his character. In Hebrews chapter five, verse eight, it says this, even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. We go through certain situations and th certain trials where he's saying, hey, listen, I want you to follow me. I want you to go with me. And we're looking at it and we're like, that doesn't look safe. Jesus, um, <laughs> I think that's going to cost me something. He's like, yeah, I know. I know. And you're going to go through it and you're going to come through this thing and you're going to understand what obedience is. You're going to understand what faithfulness is. You're going to understand my goodness in a way that you can never understand without this situation. So come on. Come on. Follow me. Come on. I want you to be with me. Are you guys tracking with me? Sometimes we're going to be asked to go through things so that we can be a sign of what is to come. So that we can be a sign of what is to come. In Mark chapter 13, verse 8, it says this, Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in many parts of the world, as well as famines. But this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. When we go through certain situations and we go through these circumstances that are difficult and when natural disasters happen and when all of this stuff that happens, we can stand in it and we can say, he's a good God and he's a faithful God. And this is a reality to the fact that this world is broken and a better world is coming. That his fullness and his goodness is going to be displayed in his eternal kingdom. That there is a day that this will all be gone and everything's going to be made new. And we stand strong in those moments and we look at it and we don't buckle and we don't crumble. We don't look at the world and be like, what is going on in the political world? What is going on in the global world? What's going on in the financial world? And we don't allow our knees to begin to shake and crumble and get full of worry and get full of insecurity and doubt. But instead we look at it and say, that's the way it's supposed to be. Like, that's the way it is. This world's rejecting him, and it's coming to an end. It's all there. It's evident. Look, this is a sign that God is real, that he's present, and that he's in control. Look at this, and we're supposed to live our lives as knowing that, and it should encourage us to live our lives that his word is true. We go through trials and cir circumstances and situations to develop a powerful and effective testimony. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 18. You will stand trial before governors and kings because you are my followers. But this will be your opportunity to tell the rulers and other unbelievers about me. Listen, you have been welcomed into a life of significance. You've been welcomed into a life of significance. And a lot of times as believers, we look at the church today and we see the things and the worship team can go ahead and come up. We look at the things that are happening in this world. We look at all of the things that are taking place. And the church in large today, we've looked at the situations that are happening. We look at the things that's going on. And a lot of them are happening. A lot of situations are reality because the church stepped back and they said we're not going to be a part of that because it costs too much. I can't do that because that's going to affect my schedule. I can't do that because, man, that's just going to mess up what I've been committed to do. I'm going to have to say no to things that I really like. And the church at large has said no, has stepped back, has walked away from the responsibility that God's given us to be as the church declaring his eternal plan to the world. We've stepped back from those things, and a lot of things are broken in the world because we've stepped back from it. There's a lot of things that are going on in your life. There's a lot of places that you find yourself in discouragement. You find yourself in despair. You find yourself just wondering, what am I doing? What's taking place? Why has nothing seemed to be working? It's because there's been moments when he's told you to say yes and he's told you to follow and you looked at it and you said, that is difficult. There's no way that could be what God wants me to do. There's no way he could want me to go there. There's no way he could want me to hang out with that person. There's no way he would want me to stop doing that. There's no way he would want me to give that amount. There's no way. And we've looked at it and we've said, that's just not the way that God would lead me. It's not how God loves me. He loves me by giving, not by taking. He loves me by filling me up and making me happy and full of joy. Not by saying, let's go through this trial together. You've been welcomed into a life of significance. We are not here just to exist. 
We're not here just to be flesh and bones, sucking oxygen. He put the trees here, right? To create the oxygen, to suck the carbon dioxide, to just be there and just to do something. He created us to be a part of what he's doing. He created us to be a part of his work. He created us to be an extension of his grace. He created us to be a beacon of hope in this world. He created us and he's welcomed you through Christ to be a part of a life of significance. And I just want to encourage you tonight that you don't know what you can do until you try. You don't know what you're made of until you exhaust all that you have. Jesus said, seek me, put me first, and the kingdom of God is yours, right? That we're supposed to seek him, that we're supposed to desire him. Listen, there are moments when we're supposed to just go through life and we're like, I want to be with you. I want to do what you've asked me to do. I want to, I want to be wherever you are, God. And he said, this is where I'm at. And we're like, that's going to cost me a lot. That's going to be painful. That's going to be difficult. And he said, I know, that's exactly where I want you because there's something I want to do in you. There's something I want to take out of you. There's something that I want to shape you with. There is somewhere that I want to take you so that you can bring hope to a desperate place that nobody else is willing to go to. And we have to say yes. But we've got to get out of this mentality and we've got to get out of this idea that says he would never do that. He would never call me on that. No, he is. He's calling you to a life of significance. And until you try, until you step out, you won't know what it is. You won't know what you're made of, and you won't know what your faith looks like, and you won't know the extension of all that God has done in you until you just spend yourself completely for his glory. So you say, I have nothing left, and you fall desperately on the floor, and you say, God, there's nothing left for me. I don't have anything else to give. God, I'm completely empty. I'm distraught. I'm broken. My bank account is broke. I have no energy left. And you find yourself in that place, and then you see you see his fullness in a way that you can never see it. You find satisfaction that you can never explain. You find joy and fullness like you can never experience. Significance isn't measured by what you accomplish, but by what you are a part of. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5, it says this, that even though we are dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. At the beginning of my sermon, like there's no way I can remember all the way back there At the beginning of my sermon I said we feel accepted we feel assured God's got me he loves me and then we just kind of stopped there and because we stopped there I said I feel like we missed the point of salvation the point of salvation is not for you just to go to heaven the point of salvation is not for you just to avoid hell the point of salvation is not just for you to become a better moral person the point of salvation is for your life to point to Jesus and his glory and his goodness and his grace, your life is to be spent for him. That's the point of salvation. That's what he wants us to do. And yes, sometimes he's gonna ask us to do things that we don't wanna do. And I'm telling you, I'm encouraging you, I'm pleading with you, go, say yes. Don't let it be a cute song that we sing in worship. Let it be your heart's cry. Yes, I wanna go, I wanna be there. Let your life be spent for him. You've been welcomed into a life of significance. God wants to use you in all of eternity to point to you, to show his glory, to show his love, to show his mercy, to show his kindness, to show his faithfulness. And yes, sometimes that means that we have to be in a place of suffering. And yes, sometimes that means that we have to go through difficult things. But I'm just telling you this, when you come on the other side of a place that was hard and difficult, you're stronger, you're bolder, you're more confident, you can take on bigger things the next time. When you come through a moment where you feel like you've lost everything and you come on the other side and you say, I haven't lost nothing, 
but I've gained everything. You're willing to do anything. That's the life that God wants you to live. It's the place he wants you to go. Man, I have so much that I still want to say. Some of you tonight, oh wow, I need those. Some of you tonight, you desperately need to hear the message of assurance. You were loved and you were accepted. You need to hear it because you feel rejected. You feel left behind. You feel uncared for. You feel like no one notices you. You feel like you're just here. The creator of the universe, he loves you and he wants to be in relationship with you. He's done everything he can to welcome you into a meaningful relationship with him. He loves you. You are accepted and you need to hear that tonight because it needs to move you. It needs to motivate you. It needs to shape you. It needs to call you. It needs to compel you. You need to wake up and you need to see that you've been chosen. That you've been given a life to live for his glory. You've been called and welcomed into a life of existence. And some of us tonight, you get it. You're loved for who you are, not because of what you did, but your love because he's a God of love. You get it, you're assured of that, you're confident of that. And I'm imploring you to move past that, to not just sit there, but let that compel you to live a life of action. And tonight you need to hear a message of perseverance. You need to hear a message that says, you are accepted, you are loved, you are cherished, but you need to wake up because you're accepted because you're cherished and because you know that God has said you're mine you've allowed that to become a license a fruitless and meaningless endeavors and you need to hear tonight a message of perseverance you need to encourage yourself and you need to go you need to hear your father saying you can do this you need to hear your father saying tonight, yes, it's gonna be hard. Yes, you're gonna get hurt. Yes, you're gonna lose out on some stuff, but persevere, go for it. We got this, do this thing. Come on, stand up, be bold, let's go. I'm right here. In Philippians chapter three, verse 10, I know this is the longest ending. I'm doing the typical pastor thing. I'm probably like on closing 18, but I'm sorry. Philippians chapter three, verse 10. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him. When was the last time you said that? Paul said, I want to suffer with him. Why? I want to share in his death. Why? So that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. So that I will be with him for all of eternity. That it's not just about today, but it's eternity. I want to give myself. I want to suffer. I want to die. I want to do all of these things. I want to go through whatever I have to go through just to be with Him. When was your heart there last? When was the pleading of your soul to be in His presence, no matter what the cost? You've been welcomed into a life of existence. Because on to verse 12, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus possessed me. There's this tension. One day you will be perfect in Christ, but you're not yet. One day this world will be perfect, but it's not yet. One day we will see all that God is doing and it will all make sense, but it doesn't right now. But you need to understand and see that he is good and he can be trusted. And because he's good and he can be trusted, because he's welcomed you into a life of significance, because he's chosen you, because he's called you, that you can go through anything, that you can stand and you can face anything, that any enemy that comes in front of you, you can look at it and say, bring your best, man. Bring everything you want to bring. It doesn't matter because I'm chosen. I'm called. I've been welcomed into a life of significance. I've been accepted. I've been received by the king and he's already won everything. Let's do this thing. Come on, that's the life he wants you to live. Maybe this message is for me. But I'm just telling you, let's be a church that is free to welcome people because we understand how welcome we've been into his kingdom. 
Let's be a church that is ambitious, that is willing, that is aggressive in going out and proclaiming God's glory because we're His. Live boldly. Live confidently. Come on, let your life be a yes for His glory in all that you do. Father, we thank you for this. God, I'm sorry that I feel like I rambled some. I'm sorry that I've gone over on my time, but I think you've forgiven me. God, this world is desperate. Each and every one of us, we're desperate to be welcomed. We're desperate to be accepted. We're desperate to be loved. It's the way you made us. It's the way you wired us. Father, through our lives and through our willingness to follow you, through our willingness to say yes, for our willingness to go where you called us to go, God, even when you're looking at us and you're saying, yeah, you're going to do some awesome things, but you're going to have to do some difficult stuff to make it happen. God, help us to say yes. And there's people in here tonight, there's a dream that you put on their heart years ago, decades ago, and they've said no to it for far too long. And they're fighting right now to push it away. God, I pray that you just push on it so hard. God, that you open their eyes. God, that they sense your presence. They be aware that you've welcomed them, that you've accepted them, that you've received them. And no matter what it costs them, that's what you've called them to do. And when they do it, when they say yes, they are going to find themselves in the life that you've created for them, that you've called them to, that you long for them to be in. That though they might lose a bunch, they might lose it all, that they find everything. Help us, Lord, just to chase after you. That's what I want. That's what I want for this church. God, I pray, Lord, for anyone in here tonight. God, they just know where to begin in all of this. I pray that you'd be with them tonight and help them to see that through Christ, through Christ, that you have made a way you've given an invitation for them to be welcomed into true life. That through Christ and faith in Him, it's the only way to know this life. And it's free. Wherever they are, whatever's going on, it's theirs. God, welcome them. Embrace them. Bring them in. God, help us, each and every one of us, Lord, to be shaped by this, to be changed by this. God, may the things that Paul prays may not just be obscene to us. May it not just be his words because he was Paul. But God, let them be a reality in our lives. God, let there be a longing. Let there be a desire, Father. Lord, we love you. I need to say amen. I'm going to keep going all night. Lord, we love you. We thank you. Lord, please bring us back next week and help us to live for your glory. Amen and amen. Thank you guys so much for being here tonight. We'll see you next week.